Hello and welcome to The Two Tones, Tony DeVolfo, g'day Tony. How are you Tony? And myself, Tony Moclair. Uh, round 8, episode 9, give us your uh, favourite player with the number 9 on his back, Tony. Well, P. Cripps is the man oh. at the moment, isn't he? In fact, um, Laurie Kerr I reckon wore 9. Yeah. And uh, young Patrick's making some inroads reserve grade level, so I suspect it won't be long before we see Laurie's grandson in action in the seniors. He sees... Um, He's doing everything he needs to do to, to uh, sort of um, put put the heat on the uh, selectors. So hopefully we'll see Patrick Kerr in the not-too-distant future, Tony. Now, um, before we uh, discuss the Adelaide game, I just want to say we have a very special guest coming in to preview yes. next week's game at Essendon. I'm very excited about this, Tony. You yes. line this up in your capacity as Carlton Football Club historian. Uh, look, it, it was terrific uh, that we've been able to... Um, uh, deliver today for our listeners tone. We have a very special guest which we'll um, reveal shortly. Um, very kind of him to come in at short notice and to uh, reflect on a great moment in Carlton Football Club history. And there we, are many of those but you would argue that uh, Saturday night's game against Adelaide wasn't one of them. It wasn't uh, an utter shambles but nonetheless congratulations to well I'm going to call them <laughs> West Carlton, (laughs) (laughs) for getting over uh, Carlton by 55 points. A little bit hard to see Eddie Betts, uh, um, uh, Bryce Gibbs and Sam Jacobs running around. They were all going around, weren't they? They'd be handy at the moment, wouldn't they, Tony in Dark Navy? But look, um, it was always going to be a a difficult exercise heading across to um, Adelaide Oval, and um, it was looking ugly uh, heading into the second quarter. Uh, They managed to stop the hemorrhaging... um, uh, the Carlton boys, which was great. It was a terrific, solid second quarter. Um, the problem we've got at the moment is that we just can't seem to string four quarters together. And uh, look, everyone knows that you know the team is um, you know lacking in numbers, and a lot's being asked of uh, our young blokes. Um, all part of the learning curve. You know, it's interesting to see the senior coach. You know, keep uh, keep upbeat. It, it can't be easy. You know, mm. seven. Seven rounds in, aren't we? And we've lost all, or each one of them. Um, but you know, you just have to hope that the uh, the improvement uh, comes sooner rather than later. Um, I'm sure it's a you know um, the experience gleaned by these young players are going to hold them in good stead for the long the long haul. But you'd want it to happen sooner rather than later. It's uh, you know it's been it's been quite a while, and um, we want to see rapid improvement. Everyone does, you know, but. Um, how long will that take? Well, how long's a piece of string? Well, that's a good question, Tone. There was um, some standout performances by some of the older heads in the team, that yes. being Ed Kerno. Yes. Some, uh, have a listen to these for some match stats, if you don't mind. 14 tackles, 26 disposals, one goal, 12 contested possessions. Cape Simpson uh, turned 34 on the weekend, a lazy 26 disposals, six contested possessions. But it was uh, the younger blokes coming through. Paddy Dow kicked his first goal in AFL. And uh, it was a ripper of a goal too. It was a good goal at, at an important time. You know, we were under siege uh, when he when he uh, bobbed up with that terrific snap. Um, and yes, you're right. We 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 saw uh, glimpses of the future in Paddy Dow's play. Um, he hasn't missed a game. Um, he's been terrific, and he's learning with every with every quarter that he plays. Um, I thought Petrovsky Seaton actually um, uh, showed a little bit more this week. He's been down for a while. Um, and as you say, uh, Ed Kerno, I think, did lead from the front at, at a time where we are really um, 
perhaps lacking in experience and, and leadership, I thought he was pretty good. Um, you know, Cripps, he probably lowered his colours to Greenwood, I think, in the first half, but, but fought back pretty well in the second. But by and large, we're just a little bit undermanned at the moment, yeah. and uh, we're at this stage of our evolution where we need every player up and running, and um, uh, I think we'll probably find this week at selection tone that uh, there'll be a couple of good players coming back into the team. I'd imagine that Charlie Kernow will be uh, right to go, and uh, of course, Vitrin played a, a fair game in the twos. Uh, you know, welcome return to form there. So we'll, we'll see what happens at selection. But um, I heard Silvani was good in the twos as well. Uh, yes, he was. He was, and uh, you know, in Essen, and um, you know, we we uh, we'll bring it on. You know, this yeah. might be the, the the breakthrough game. We certainly hope it is because it is a very big big moment in time for the Carlton Football Club. Uh, we're celebrating a, uh, a famous victory of um, 50 years ago. Now, we just might have a link to that famous victory uh, uh, in the two-tone studio in a moment. So we're just going to quickly cover off a, a couple of other things. I thought Harry Mackay's game, game was really good. Was well, just, again... Uh, it was an exceptional game. Yeah, well, there's another player that he looks he looks like he's uh, he's meant to be there, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, he seems to have settled in really well to the, um, you know, up front. And... Um, uh, did a couple of nice things in the second quarter when Carlton probably featured its best period of uh, for the game. And uh, there's a player that just needs uh, games experience, you know. To um, he probably needs to build up a little bit, you know, another year or two in the weight room won't hurt his cause. But he's a smart player. He, he, he reads the, the play well. He's a beautiful mover and he's a great kick. So uh, he's everything we need, Tony. Um, what we just need in him is more game, game time, and uh, I think we'll have a player there well, uh, that'll be up front for many years to come. That's what uh, I guess season 2018 is is uh, going to be about. If you look at a long-term project, which is what a lot of those players are, it's about getting uh, games into bodies and yes. um, reaping the dividend uh, when it arrives. Well, that's sooner the rather than later, we hope, as you said earlier. Now, Tone... Um, I'm going to, just quickly before we get your votes, Levi Caspold is going to miss a month because if there's one thing Carlton need, needed, it was more injuries to key position players. <laughs> so, hooray <laughs> to that. He's out for a month after suffering a fractured rib and damage to the lining of his lungs. It so, was a shocking. Did you see the incident? No, oh, I didn't. Jeez, it, it, it makes your eyes water watching it. You know, it was a, he was actually... Um, pushed into the the knee of the the Adelaide oh. player coming through. Um, so he's caught, you know, meeting the sandwich a little bit, and yeah. he was so vulnerable, uh, copped the knee under the arm, and um, terrible injury. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to probably lay him off for the best part of a month. So right. um, uh, you know, real concern. But um, yeah, well, we hope he he makes a speedy recovery. We we um, want to see him back out there again. But uh, yeah, we can all afford injuries at the moment. Exactly. Fair to say. Um, uh, Levi's look at the moment, very, especially with the mouth going in, I'm going to call it, he looks like Freddie Mercury from Queen. He's probably the, not quite of, as diminished stature as Freddie was. He's, well, a, he's a big No, no, white, exactly. But, um, I don't know if you can sing it either. Uh, well, had he been hit a bit lower uh, than the lungs, he might have had the <laughs> vocal range of... Um, possibly, possibly no. so. But we, let's not get into that because you, Tony DeVolfo, have to give us... Uh, the three two ones for yes. the uh, 
Round seven loss to Adelaide in Adelaide at the, the beautiful Adelaide Oval. Yes, I'll preface it by uh, uh, with a clarification, Tony, because last week I, uh, for some reason, having extolled the virtues of Patrick Cripps, yeah. I actually gave him two votes to, I think, Dale Thomas three, so I'd like to amend that retrospectively, if I may, for the record. But this week, uh, I found it a, a really tough task. You know, we did have too many good players. You know, we had a good quarter of footy in the second. We fought out the game, I suppose, but there were a lot of blokes down. However, uh, the player you, you mentioned earlier, Paddy Dow, I gave him one vote. I thought he, you know, um, he showed some great, yeah. um, um, you know, form. Um one of the players of the future for short, Carlton. Two votes I gave to um, Dale Thomas, who yeah. I, I think's probably... Well, he's probably... Well, without doubt, he's in his best season for the Carlton Football Club. Um, he's been pretty pretty consistent uh, off half-back this year and uh, he's showing leadership where we need it. Um, is knocking over a Channel 7 cameraman counted as an official <laughs> stat? Yeah, it was... Um, he really it was, great, it was great footage, that, wasn't it? Yeah. But, um, but oh, look, oh, look, all credit to him. You know, he's, he's, um, he's uh, had to deal with his fair, fair degree of criticism, uh, but he's... Um, He's, I think he's been a pretty solid performer for Carlton this year. I agree. Three votes. Uh, again, you touched on him earlier, Ed Curno. I thought it, his game was particularly solid for the club and um, all power to Ed. He's, a, he's an unsung hero. He just goes about his business quietly and um, very different player to Charlie, but um, a very honest player. And um, I thought he was the best of our uh, group at Adelaide Oval on um, Saturday night. And just quietly, Tone, emerging as the Smokey for the Two Tones Player of the Year. Um, this yeah, road, he's, he's, he's racking them up. He's racking them up. He's racking them up. I, I, look, I think, you know, it, it's a bit uh, reflective of the Brownlow, I think, in a lot of ways. It, it sort of seems to be a midfielder's award these yeah. days, doesn't it? But, um, you know, Cripps, I'm sure, is, um, uh, has travelled the scorers a few times in our voting anyway. But uh, early days, isn't it? We're, what, a third of the way in, so there's a lot of football left to be played, Tony. Now, speaking of football to be played, we play... Uh a bitter enemy next week. Yes. And um, we reflect on some of the great games that we've played against the Essendon Football Club. We, of course, remember 1999 as the standout. There have been uh, plenty of other ding-dong battles against the Bombers. We have a very special guest, the first guest that we've had in the Two Tones for season 2018. And, Tony, I'm thrilled and delighted to welcome him here. You're going to do the honours because he has a special relevance, of course, to the upcoming weekend clash against... Thank you, Tony. Well, it's a great pleasure, pleasure to welcome uh, to um, the Two Tones um, 1968 Premiership player, 41 games for the Carlton Football Club, 20 goals um, uh, in four seasons, I think, 67 to 70. He would have come to Carlton around the time of Wolsey and uh, Jezelenko. Um, gee, yeah, what a list of players we had. Um, later, a, a further 13 games and one goal for North Melbourne. Um, I think he might have been seconded to Arden Street by the great Ronald Dale Barassi, who coached him to the Premiership here in, in 68. And I speak of um, Dennis Minari. Dennis, magnificent to have you in the room. Thanks for coming along. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Uh a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, Dennis, um, <clears throat> there's a lot to cover. Um, we are going to home in on 68, but we'd love to know a little bit about your early uh, your early years as a as a footballer. It all started up at Kilmore, I think. Yeah, memory serves. Yeah, well, I went to uh, I went to Assumption College, Kilmore, as a boarder. I uh, went there in grade six, believe it or not. Uh, not many parents would do that these days. Um, yeah, so I went right through from 1959 to 1966. And I was very fortunate that over that period of time, Assumption had a you know a great um, 
you know, great winning record. And I think that helped a lot too, you know, when you come down to a league club and so on, you've sort of got that winning mentality, which is important. Um, but I was fortunate up there, you know, I played with the great uh, Peter Crimmins and Kevin Heath and uh, Crackers was there, Crackers Keenan. Uh, Johnny Bain from Fitzroy was up there at the time and Bernie McCarthy from North Melbourne. So, you know, we had a pretty good pretty good uh, collection of uh, AFL players that went ahead and went on ahead and, you know, a fair amount of success. Did, did that translate into success at Assumption? Yeah, definitely. It was yeah. a powerhouse. Well, we Assumption, Assumption joined the Associated Grammar Schools in 1959 and I think that year John Bain who went to Fitzroy was captain of the first 18 that year and uh, Assumption won the first I think it was 10 or 11 years of, of that competition so from 59 right through until six, I think 60, 67 was the first year that they lost it. Yeah. How and why did you end up at Carlton? Well it's an interesting one um, because when I was at Kilmore there was really no interest from anybody to, to recruit me, you know. I mean, I wasn't a bad player. I was captain of the first 18. I played three years in the, in the uh, Assumption first 18. But everyone had their eyes on Crimo. And uh, Graham Richmond had come up every week to watch him play and whatever scouts were around. And as you probably well know, they, they pulled a bit of a swifty with Peter and his father, Brian, was a, was a policeman. Uh, he was based up at Wangaratta. And they very smartly shifted him into Glen Ferry, uh, Glen Ferry Police Station down in, um, in Glen, uh, Hawthorne Police Station in Glen Ferry Road. And, of course, that automatically made him bound to the Hawthorne Football Club. My situation was a little bit different because I, I lived in Seymour and I went to Kilmore as a boarder. So I was sort of open slather. But what happened, my father moved down to Thomastown in 19, about 1965 from Seymour. Um, and I've been told that one side of the street was Carlton, the other side was Collingwood. But the reason that I got to, uh, from my recollection, the reason I got to Carlton was there was a trainer here at Carlton called George Christie. I don't know whether you remember George. He was mainly with the seconds. And George's wife, Doris, had worked in a pharmacy with my stepmother. And George, um, and George said to my stepmother at the time, why, don't, why doesn't Dennis come down and train? So th through that connection, I ended up coming down with 500 other people, as you did in those days, to, to have a run. So that's how I got here. So we went through the, you know, the whole training process, you know, over a space of whatever it was, two or three months, the practice matches, you know, everybody got eliminated accordingly how you went the practice matches. And then uh, the guy that I was with, it was, um, I befriended a guy here from Carlton, that lived in Carlton, and he was a little bit older than me, he was 22, and uh, he... Uh, he, he basically got to the last home and home game and I remember old Jackie Rout coming up to him and said to him, son, don't worry about bringing your bags next week, you know. And I was right next to him. So he said, look, you know, we're going to put you on the supplementary... Uh, Jack said, we're going to put you on the supplementary list. So that's how, I, that's how I landed. And then I obviously had to sign up. And I did that in front of George Harrison uh, and uh, Gerald Burke, which was, wasn't, it was a bit of a nervous moment as well, as you can imagine. I bet it was. Yeah. Was your aim to, um, I mean, players in your position now would want to get into the AFL because it's a very lucrative uh, career for, let's say, their 20s and early 30s and 40s, 50s and 60s if you're Cade Simpson. But if um, were you looking at it uh, from that point of view? Was it as remunerative? It wasn't as remunerative back then as it is now. Tony, I, I, I had no, really no aspirations of ever thinking I'd ever play league football, to be honest with you. You know, I was a mad Essendon supporter. And as a kid living in Seymour and all the way through college, I buried for I buried, How did he get I buried for Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> I buried for Essendon. So, 
Uh, and, and I never, because we lived in the country, we, we very rarely come to watch a game, you yeah. know, never really came down to watch it. So, I mean, I never, I never thought for a minute that I'd be playing league football, to be honest with you. So when it comes to the money or remuneration, I mean, that was the furthest thing from my head. Now, um, just one quick question before Tone picks it up again. As captain of the first 18 in mm. a school like Assumption, th- th- that would make you arguably more powerful than the principal, wouldn't it? Almost. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Yeah, no, look, it's a great honour. And I remember when I first went to Assumption, they had a, a nice honour board there, and I, I remember seeing my two cousins' names on the honour board, uh, t- two chaps by the name of Nildo and Dino Minari, who lived in Seymour as well. And both of them were captain of the first 18 and first 11. Wow. And uh, they're about 10 years older than me. And actually, Nildo uh, played for Sandhurst, the Sandhurst uh, Football Club up in Bendigo, and he's actually in their... Um, uh, Legends team, I think, from memory. So he was a pretty handy player, and he went down to Hawthorne, had a few practice games down there, uh, but uh, for whatever reason, you know, obviously didn't make it. Uh, but I always remember, you know, I think it would be nice to get your name up on the honour board, and I think sort of deep down that was a little bit of a driving force, you know, maybe oh. one day if I... If, I mean, I, was, I knew I was never going to be scholar or, you know, ducks of the school or anything like that, so <laughs> but it had to be sport. I mean, that's, that's the direction I thought I'd probably have more chance, yeah. And they say, Dennis, the timing is everything. So you it came is. to Carlton at a time where they're on the yeah. cusp of yeah. probably the greatest era they ever had. Mm. Can you remember what life was like walking into this place when you know the great Ronald Dale Barassi was yeah. um, was holding court? What, what was the place like? Well, well, I came down the same year that uh, you know there's a there's a famous photo of the five internationals, so to speak. You know, all of multicultural background. And, uh, you know, Brass was there, obviously. Uh, Brian Kekovic was in that. We all come down the same year. So, there's, you know, Brass was there, Kekka, uh, myself, Jezza, um, Ronnie Ocatel was there, who's since passed on. Um, who else was the other one? Um, no, there's a couple of others there. I can't think of the other guys. But, yeah, so we had a pretty good, you know, it was a pretty good collection of, um, of recruits in the first year. Mm-hmm. And you've got to remember, they were all playing their first year. So there was myself... There was myself, there was uh, Keka, Brian Kekovic, Alex Jezelenko, Walsey, uh, Brent Croswell, pretty much in our first year. We, we, we were the five players effectively that topped up, or well, Brent was the next year, he was 68, but we, we were effectively the top, the, the, top, the five players that topped up the existing list that they already had. It's because they already had an experienced list, if you look back on it. You know, they had, they had Gouldy, they had Nichols, they had... You know, Colo, uh, uh, yeah. uh, Lofsey, um, yep. you know, um, Quirky and Gary Crane, and hmm. uh, well, I can't think the other. Robbo was there. Yep. You know, so it was quite a, you know, it was quite a good list, and it was a young list. I don't know whether, but you being the historian, I'm sure you'd know this. But the the average age of the the average age of the 1968 Premiership side was about 22 years, right. and I think about six months. Yeah, yeah. So even with Wes, Lofsey and Barras, or not so much Ron, but you know, with Gouldy and Big Nick and Serge and all those guys, the average age was still only 22 and a half. Yeah. You know, I think was Brent, was, Brent just turned 18. Well, he just turned 18. Yeah, Wolsey yeah. was only 17. 17. Wow. So, yeah. so the, the great Ronald Dale, you know, yeah. what were first impressions, Dennis? Well, geez, Ron. Um, well, Ron was one of those guys that um, he loved you to show a bit of leadership, you know, and if, if, you, if you braced him on... You know anything that you could see that would improve the club, you know the club or your own game or the team's performance. You know he was more than happy for you to be to be vocal and whatever. Uh, I mean he's a fiery character as we all know, <laughs> very fiery. 
he has mellowed over the years. I mean, he mellowed from the time I went from Carlton to North Melbourne, obviously he went to the Swans and whatever in Melbourne. But uh, look, he was, I mean, when I look, when I reflect back on it, he was only 31. I mean, I'm only 18. Oh, no, I don't know. I don't. He's only 31, so it's only 10 years difference. But at that point in time, it was like, you know, he's 100 years older than us. You know, when you yeah. you set up and you respected him. And uh, what I was think driving Barras at that stage. Well, I think he. Think? Well, I think he was obviously motivated because he lived with Norm Smith, and you know, he'd been a you know six-time premiership player with Melbourne, and you know, he, I mean, winning it was all about winning with Ronnie. He was yeah. a ferocious competitor. I mean, I can recall one day at, out here at Princess Park here and. You know, I went to grab the ball, you know, and I'm a skinny 18, 19 year old, and I went to grab the ball. Serge has got his hands on the ball, and so it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the next minute, wash, it was like pulling a fish out of a crocodile's mouth, you know, out it came, you know, and Ron's got the ball. You know, that's the sort of guy he was. Yeah. If we ran around the tan here, or ran around the, you know, the Princess Park, I mean, Ron, he was 32 or whatever at the time, you know, he'd still beat me. You know, I'd come in, say, eighth or ninth or something, he'd still be in front of you. You, know, you couldn't beat him if you yeah. tried, you know. Very competitive animal, you know. And, and we, we will get to this shortly, but at the end of the 68 grand final, mm-hmm. you see the players hoisting Barass up, but yeah. also Big Nick. Yeah. So do, do you want to just talk a little bit about Nichols as captain, what yeah. he meant to the club? <clears throat> yeah, well, Nick, I mean, every, every great club that has success usually has a great captain, and I think that's... You know that's what John brought. You know, um, John. For those of, for those people that don't know John, he's a very intelligent man, a very intelligent footballer. You know, he's got a great football brain. Uh, he was a general, as we knew him. You know, he was a great confidant. You could always talk to him about your game and whatever. But he, and, and he was a big occasion player. You know, if you needed something to be done or you needed a goal kick, bang. You know, you, you knew John could do that. Um, and, and I think Ron had enormous respect for Nick, I'm sure, you know, because the, the age difference probably wasn't that great and the experience between them over the years probably wasn't that great. So I think Ron recognised his value and, <clears throat> and probably, you know, bounced off him a lot as well, I think. And, and Ron sort of went through a little bit of a turmoil period too, wasn't he? Because he came in 1964 and by 67 we really, well, we made the finals in 67. So it took him two or three years to to get a collective team together and to get them to play the way the way that he wanted to play. And I think the great thing about Ron, and I noticed this particularly, you know, at North and I noticed it when he went to the Swans, you know, he's a stickler for detail. He knows what he wants. He knows what, what he expects of players at the highest level. You know, he doesn't... He won't tolerate inconsistencies. He doesn't tolerate mistakes. You know, he's all about the one-percenters. Um, uh, you know, when I listen to all the clubs coaches over the you know the last 40 odd years and so on I mean I see I see I mean sure Ron you know John Kennedy and all these guys were great coaches themselves but I see a lot of um, you know the Norm Smithisms and the Ron Barassiisms that just come out of the mouths of babes so to speak you know and a lot of it he's had a huge influence on on the way football's evolved and the, and the standards that players have, act, have act, had to you know acquire to to get to um, just Take us back to 1968. Just put us yeah. there. You um, you were injured and you mm. did not expect to play in the grand final. Is that right, well, Dennis? Well, it's a little bit. Like, oh, it's 50 years ago, Tony. So I can't remember exactly. But look, basically, you don't what happened was over 40, young fellow. No, thank say. you. He's in good this bloke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I turned 70 last week, so I'm going to keep on. Yeah. Good on you. Um, yeah. Look, what what happened was I. 
I did. I injured my knee. I think. I think it was the second last home and home game, and um, obviously I missed that game and I missed the, the following game, and then we made the first semi-final. I think it was the you know the fall back in those days, um, and I I didn't pass the the fitness test for the. I was picked in the team, but I didn't pass the test on the Saturday morning or whatever. So I I had to pull out obviously, um, and then Tony was saying earlier that he thinks that Ian Nickel took. My, my position uh, now I don't know whether Ian played I can't remember whether he played poorly or whether he got injured I can't recall what position were you playing then? well I was playing Rover okay. second yeah. Rover yeah okay. <clears throat> and um, so Ian uh, like I said I'm not sure whether he got injured or, or whether he, he got dropped I've got a suspicion that he might have got injured I think Gags told me that he might have been injured so but what I do recall was Jack uh, Rowdy came up to me straight after the game in the rooms you know I was in the rooms with the rest of the team, obviously, and uh, Jack came up to me and basically said, "Look, you're playing on, you're playing in the grand final. You know, you got two weeks to get yourself fit." Like, well, yeah, those words still ring in my ear even to today. So maybe Ian was, maybe he was injured. You know, mm-hmm. um, so for the next two weeks, I mean, all I did was, was you know, train and kick the footy and run up and down hills and you know, I'd, I'd go down to Coburg, down the Coburg Lake down there. And I'd run down the hill, you know, it was about a 150 metre run, and I'd run up it again, and I'd do it 20 or 30 times, you know, all part of the extra training that I felt that I had to do, and a lot of ball work and so on. Mm. Yeah, so I got myself reasonably fit, you know, for the game, I and mean, I was pretty anxious. I was very anxious up until uh, uh, leading into the game. Uh, this is an interesting story. Um, <clears throat> we'd arranged uh, for Wes Lofts to pick me up, I was living in Coburg. And Lofsey lives up, lived up in Coburg as well, and we'd arranged for him to pick me up to take take us to the game. And you'd probably remember that Wes had the business down in Victoria Street there next to Don Camilo's, the coffee shop. Anyway, as we're driving in, and, and Wes had the, the Volvo, you know, because he fancied himself, he had to have the nice cars and so on. So we're driving into the ground, like I'm only 19, you know, driving in, and Wes said to me, he said, look, I've got to go to the office and sign a few checks. Just... This is what he said to me in the car, and I thought, oh, where's, don't do this to me, you know. <laughs> so here we go, pull up at the, at the front of Don Camillo's, go upstairs, yeah, we're there for half an hour or so, and he's where signing all these checks. I couldn't believe it. I looked at my clock, it was about half past 12, 20 to 1. I said, come on, Wes, we've got to go, you know. So finally he decides we're going. So off we go, off to the MCG. You know, it took us about 20 minutes or so with trying to get through the crowd and all that, and we burst into the rooms at about one o'clock, you know, well, brass went nuts, absolutely went crazy. All I needed as well. You know. <laughs> so all I can remember of the pre-game was, you know, sort of dashing in, throwing my bag down, get changed, did a quick warm-up, and before I knew it, I was on the ground. Unbelievable. Yeah. Was there any such thing as grand final week? Was there a parade no, or a procession? No, there was nothing like Nothing it. at all, no. no. Yeah. no it was just, uh, as Ron would say, make sure you have a milkshake before the game or something like do something special just to help <laughs> make it a different day and yet of course you run down the race uh, yeah. Denison and into a place that's holding 117,000 people yeah. uh, is that I mean, still the record it, 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 it was well the Carlton Collingwood grand final oh, beat it, did it, topped yeah. it but yeah, I think to then it was yeah. it was a record but yeah. I mean do you recall that yeah moment? I do I recall it very much I remember I remember running through um, uh, and I actually can remember ironically there was a uh, where I lived up in Seymour, there was a hairdresser up there by the name of Eddie Jackson, 
And he used to cut my hair up there as a, as a young kid, you know, eight or nine year old, put us on the box and away he'd go, you know. And, and I think he had a few games with Melbourne. And, and I remember he was actually on the race. And as I ran down the race, he's Eddie Jackson, you know, yelling, good day, all the best, Dennis, and all this type of stuff. So anyway, we ran out on the ground and uh, it was just, the roar was unbelievable, really. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the national anthem, I mean, I can still recollect that, you know, then, you know, when, when the national anthem was on and everyone started to cheer, I mean, I felt like I rose three feet off the ground. I mean, it was an unbelievable experience, you know. And the the scores reflected a tough day yeah. weather-wise, seven yeah. goals to eight, and yeah. it was a, a, an awful was, crosswind, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a hot, hot, a hot, windy day, you know. It yeah. was about, uh, oh, I don't know, but it would have been 26, 27 degrees. It was pretty hot and the wind was blowy. Uh, Brian, Brian Kekovich had a marvellous day. He kicked four goals. Four out of seven. Out of seven. I passed a couple to him, I think, if you see, look at the replay. <laughs> um, yeah, but he had a great day. And Jeff Bletham at the other end had a, mm. had a good day. He was on Wesley for a while. Had a chance to, to, to win it with that yeah, kick away, did, did he? Yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah. And I yeah. actually saw Jeff. I was in Adelaide a couple of weekends ago and I saw Jeff over there and I reintroduced myself to him and, yeah, he's, he's going along nicely. Do you have yeah. uh, vivid memories of moments in time in, in that game. game of football? Yeah, football? I do. Yeah. yeah, well, Gags, I was, like I said, I was, uh, I mean, I was more of a sentiment than I was a rover and uh, when I came down here, that's really where I started and then Brent came along. I mean, the main reason we ended up with the centre line that we had was mainly to ca- combat the Richmond centre line of Burke, Barrett and Clay because it was a big midfield and and we had obviously, you know, Ian Robinson and Craney and uh, and Brent in the middle, you know, so I got... they didn't We didn't really have, I suppose, in the pure sense, a second rover and, of course, I got pushed back to the second rover, which was a bit tough for me because that really wasn't my go, you know. So... Um, the added problem you had there too was the gags wouldn't come off the well, ball. Well, gags wouldn't come off the ball. That, that was one of the big problems, and we still joke about it to this day, you know. But uh, but no, gags was all right. I mean, I, I you know I, I had a reasonable reasonable first half. I got a bit tired, as you would expect, you know. Uh, in those days, you didn't go off. You just had to stay there and, and sweat it out. And I remember very well Daryl Gerlach taking a few intercept marks, which, you know, uh, I think Sid came out, the runner, and Sid Jackson came out and, you know, said, you know, Brass are not, you know, in a subtle way, you know, Brass are not real happy with the tennis, pick him up or do something, you know. So, um, yeah, so it was a bit tough, but, uh, but look, we got over the line. I mean, you know, it was a game of halves if you watch it. You know, the first half, there were a lot of players that were down. You know, Serge was down, I think, in the first half, and Brent was down, he had a crook shoulder, he probably shouldn't have played. Um, you know, Billy Billy was a bit quiet on the day for his, you know, for his standards. So um, what made the difference then? You, uh, second half was a different game. Was that uh, an almighty rev up from Barras? Um, well, I think, we were, I don't know what the halftime scores were. But, you know, I, I don't think he did anything out of the ordinary. I think it was just, you know, the wind, you know, we kicked a lot of points. I think we had a fair bit of the, the game or the play. You know, we seemed to have a lot of the play, but... I think we would we kick fourteen points or something, didn't we? Yeah, from memory, seven thirteen so or something. So we kicked a lot of points, and we probably didn't, you know, consolidate our position really as well as we could have. And you know, well, I think with about three minutes to go, we were only three points in front. I think. I mean, it was it was a bit of a slog, you know. And they were they were coming, so to speak, you know, uh, because they had a good side too, as you'd expect. You remember uh, the um, you know the aftermath, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the lap. The lap yeah, I remember the lap. Uh, I really, we, we, you could have. I really should have been on a motorbike. You know, <laughs> when it comes to the lap of the ground, I was bugging. Yeah. And there were there were people there 
close to your dinners to share that moment? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, my father was there, my brother, and you yeah. know, uh, my, you know, my uh, partner and all that, that, you know, friends and that, you know. Yeah, a lot of people there. I mean, in the good old days there, you know, the club would give you 20 or 30 tickets so you could take people to the grand final. These days you've got to buy them all. <laughs> you don't get too much for nothing. Oh, yeah. Um, was there swapping of jumpers? Do you remember um, that? Yeah, there was, but I I didn't swap. I know that much. It always uh, struck me as odd. You've just yeah, won this great game. Yeah. Well, the jumpers didn't really have any value back in those oh, days either, man, Tony. Really? Yeah. They didn't have a value, really, Tony, did they? Well, they do now. Well, they yeah, do now. You, but you still got yours? Do. Well, I have got a jumper, but it's not. I don't think it's the grand final. Right, jumper, no. right. You know what happened to it? Yeah, I've got one at home. Oh, the grand final? Yeah. No, no, I didn't. No. no. And where did you end up? You well, ended up back here or? No, no, no. That night? Well, we did later on. Uh, <laughs> they organised the night of the uh, the Southern Cross. It was, uh, you know, probably the first of the... I mean, the one thing Carlton did very well, which I think set us apart from all the... All the uh, a lot of the other clubs, you know, we were pretty good on the social side of things, you know, and and you know they they built that culture into us, you know, by taking us to nice venues and things like that. So you know, we had a we had a beautiful night at the Southern Cross Ballroom. We stayed up there, you know, like as they do these days, you know, we stayed there till about half past ten or eleven o'clock, uh, and then we come back here. Uh, and the reason we came back here because the grand, the old um, Heatley, uh, the old the new um, George Harris stand. Had only just been built that year, nineteen six. That was completed in nineteen early sixty eight. Yeah, because yeah. they unfurled the flag here in nineteen sixty eight. Yeah. So, so we all come back here. So the stand was only one year old, effectively six months old. Mm. So we all come back here, and we never. I, I didn't leave here till two or seven or eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah, None yeah. of us did. We're all still here. You know? Did you have to front up for work on Monday? No, um, no, well, I was at uni, so oh, okay. it didn't really matter for no. me, no. 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 Uh, you're at uni. That makes for a very interesting tutorial, doesn't it, when yeah. you talk about what you did over the weekend? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did I do? Well... Yeah. Oh, I won a grand final. <laughs> well, yeah, I won a grand final, yeah. Yeah, well, I went through even on the phys... I did a phys ed course at Melbourne Uni, and I went through with Ken Fletcher, who played in the Essendon side, um, Dustin's father. Yep. So Ken was on that in that uh, team as well, yeah. and... Um, Oh, Crimo was there, obviously. He did the same course as I did. And mm. oh, a few, Neil Robertson, a few of those other guys were there. Dave Parkin was there. Yeah. Um, the, uh, as Tony's notes indicate here, it ended a drought as far as Carlton yeah. premierships went. What was um, what did that feel like for you? Was there any great significance to that? Being an Essendon supporter, I guess it may not have meant as much to you. From a personal point of view, it was obviously a massive milestone. Yeah. But could, what were you getting back from Carlton supporters? Well, well, I suppose you know, I, you know, being uh, being a young player and probably a little bit naive as well, you know, because I'm a bit of a country boy at the time. Um, but I, I, I probably didn't understand the significance of what they'd achieved. To be honest with you, you know, um, I, I never really had a great uh, understanding of the history of the Carlton Footy Club. I remember Hansy, you know, I can remember Hansy's name being branded around for going into the opposition's change rooms or something. But but I don't remember much else about the club, you know. I, yeah. mean, I wasn't that I wasn't that close to it, even though even though my family are Italian background, and you know my father was always in Carlton, and you know he was you know he was good mates with you know Serge Silvani's parents, or I thought his father and that, or you know, so they all sort of knew each other. But I wasn't that you know I wasn't that. Um, 
knowledgeable of you know mm. the history of the club really. Yeah. But I, I suppose here we are, 2018. It's been 23 years since yeah. the 95 premiership. Yeah. You feel it now. Well, it's been well, a long, you do. long yeah. wait. It is, and, and and unfortunately, the you know the 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 circumstances of which you can improve are so much harder, and it makes it hard. I mean, it's very hard just to keep going back to a draft and expecting to. You know, expecting to, to get success or instant success or quick success. I mean, it's just hard work. It's bloody hard work. I mean, I I really feel for these kids running around today because, you know, it, it's hard and you can't have injuries, obviously, you know. Um, you can, certainly can't have your top four or five players out like we seem to have every every second week, you know. That's right. And, and, it, and it's important for the record here to note, Dennis, that uh, in recent years you've been the president of the Carlton Pass Players mm. Association and you've also been very actively involved in the spirit of Carlton. Mm. So it would be fair to say that with the passing of time, you you your love for and empathy for the Carlton Football yeah. Club has it's certainly true. strengthened. Yeah, it has. Well, you know, well, you well know, Tony. I was I was president. Of, I took over from Chris Paplow, and I was on Chris's committee for since 1989. You know, so I've been there nearly 25, 26 years or more. And uh, I did say to myself after I, you know, after the spirit of Carlton evolved and and David and Jeff and that, you know, took over the senior uh, roles there. I did say that I was never going to leave the the past player group until we win a premiership. So I don't know how I'm going to go to that one. <laughs> well, we don't want to see you go, but we would like that premiership, obviously. Yeah. So um, is there some conflict uh, in your football heart, Dennis, uh, when uh, uh, Essendon uh, and Carlton play no, uh, Saturday, 2.10pm at the MCG? No, none whatsoever, Tony, no. No, it's good to hear. I did play. I must, have, you know, I enjoyed playing against Essendon. I had a couple of good games. Every time I played against Essendon, I thought I always played reasonably well. So um, it's funny how little things like that spur you on. But uh, now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sort of Carlton through and through now. And obviously, the weekend presents itself the opportunity for you to yeah. reunite with the players that you know made history in '68 for Carlton, Dennis. Peter McLean and Wes Lofts are no yeah. longer with us, but yeah. have you kept tabs on a lot of the guys oh, that yeah, shared yeah. that moment with you? Yeah, we do. Yeah, well, I, you know, we we see I see Colo a little bit around the place, obviously, and being in my position as the past player or past play committee and whatever, you know, I still I still bump into a lot of the guys, you know, Quirky and Wolsey and you know Craney and Billy Bennett and Percy, obviously, you know, but we still see a lot of the guys around. Yeah, no, it's Sunday or well, Saturday will be a good day. It'll be good to bring them all back together. Not sure what our numbers are. I haven't checked with everybody, but uh, hopefully it'll, it'll be a full contingent there, with the exception of Wes and, and Peter, obviously. You know, um, yeah. Kenneth, it's been a pleasure and a delight to speak to you today. Thank you for being um, uh, so generous with your responses and your time today. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming into no the problems. two tones and being our first studio guest for 2018. Thanks very much. You set a very high bar. <laughs> thanks, Dennis. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Well, Tony, uh, we'll be back <clears throat> next week, and uh, we're all praying like mad to the football gods that it is to dissect Carlton's first win of the year. Well, we recall not so long ago, Tony, that the boys from the '87 Premiership convened uh, on the eve of the Carlton Hawthorne match, and Carlton prevailed last year. That was a great game. game. It was a great win. So let's hope. Come Saturday night, history repeats mm. with the boys from 68 and today's Carlton group. Uh, indeed. So uh, we thank our, des- our guest, uh, Dennis Minari, uh, and uh, we say go Blues. We'll catch you next week. Thanks to our producer, Lucy.